Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. Welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. And wow, John! John! We have a team, a real team, a complete team, and most importantly, we have an offensive line. It did. I mean, that was, that was something else to actually watch. Um, our offensive line was definitely not the issue for once. Uh, without any sort of debate, they, they did their job, and we beat a team that, you know, plays in a soccer stadium and can't fill it. and But, you know, we'll still take it. We'll still take this win. It was a come from behind. And, I mean, we looked pretty sharp. The team looked good in a lot of areas, uh, specifically on offense. It was a slow start for sure. Um, but let's get into – Let's get into the game itself. So the game itself started off really slow with Deshaun making a, a very, very, um, I guess, rookie mistake, throwing it lateral and then throwing it to the ground. Um, the Chargers then go on, uh, they score 10 unanswered points. And then from that point on, the offense started to look how we thought that it would look. The difference being is that there was not a lot of home run plays. Um, a lot of dink and dunks, short, get the ball out quick, make everybody's job a little bit easier on offense, specifically the offensive line. And they performed at a very high level. The best part about yesterday was the fact that all three of our first-round picks <laughs> were on the – starting offensive line. Lermy Tunsil, he counts as two. Uh, Titus Howard. And then our second-round pick, Max Sharping, was there. So we had – everybody kept complaining about our investment in the offensive line. And when you look at it now, if that is what we can come to expect, with Sharping playing guard, Titus playing tackle, right tackle, and then Tunsil playing left tackle, moving forward – there should be no more moving pieces to this line, barring injury. I feel like you got a knock on wood after saying something like that. Right now, this is this is what our offensive line could quite possibly. I, I still think that just maybe. I don't know. I still don't know if Zach Martin is necessarily our best center, but what they rolled out yesterday with um, with Sharping at guard, Fulton at guard, and then Titus Howard at right tackle, which is what he played in college because he had a left-handed quarterback, they all just looked comfortable. And for their first time, the first time we've used that configuration for them to look okay, there were times where Deshaun was averaging over three seconds to throw, which is absolutely obscene. Like, he shouldn't take that long to throw, but he had time to do it and wasn't actually getting pressure. Yeah, and Bill O'Brien and the entire coaching staff 
did a very solid job in simplifying the game plan and making it to where we can make get the most out of our offensive line and the protection with quick passes, uh, not long developing routes by the receivers, and got the tight ends involved. This is what we've been pretty much screaming. And it all came together yesterday. Now yeah, it just took half the game for it to happen. The first half... Everybody was ready to ride. I mean, there was no flow to our there was no flow to our offense. Um, it seemed like they were trying to make things more difficult, and then all of a sudden they went in, made adjustments. For thank God, because we've almost it's almost become a, a meme on the fact that they never make adjustments at halftime. And then they came out in the second half, and they actually looked like a competent NFL team. Like where the, where did that come from? Where the hell did that come from? Thank God it came from somewhere. Yeah, I. Um... Oh, and, and just to throw this out there in case the audio this week is not as good as it normally is, John is recording from a vacation home in South Carolina. I'm recording in a hotel room in New York City. And uh, so if, if this is not our best week of audio, forgive us. We just figured it was more important for you guys to get an episode than to have to potentially wait until Friday. Um no, yeah, John, I mean, the the game started off slow. The game started off, honestly, I, I hate to sound like uh, a Debbie Downer, but the game started off how I expected it to start off. I, 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 I know the Chargers are a good team. I know that. I know their record does not show that, and the biggest reason why I didn't expect us to win yesterday was only because I didn't expect the Chargers to start the season 0-3. And, like, I know that's not like a – mind-blowing like or or something that you really take into consideration when you're when you're you know expecting a team to win or lose but the Chargers have a good team they have great receivers they have a good defense they have solid corners they have good linebackers like and then they have Phillip Rivers so it's like I just figured in my mind there's no way this team is going to start off 0-3 and so that's why I thought we would not win this game and the way that it started was you know, kind of how I thought it would go. But the difference is the fact that the coaching staff and Bill O'Brien were able to make the adjustments necessary for us to be back in the game and make plays. Um, Especially Deshaun starting off the way he started off, which tends to be a thing with him. Like if we remember the Patriots game last year in the opener, first play fumble, uh, you know, last week wasn't a great game. Then this week he starts off slow, and then, you know, out of nowhere he just comes back and is just Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I mean, he, there's a little bit of a roller coaster with him. Sometimes I think the defenses do confuse him, and I think part of it's also his mentality. I go back to when they talk about building an offense with the plays that the quarterback likes. I think Deshaun likes to push the ball down the field. He likes to be aggressive. So they build a lot of these things into the offensive game plan because that's what Deshaun feels most comfortable doing, and it's part of the reason why we love him. It's like he's going to make magic happen. He's going to disappear and reappear and throw the ball 50 yards. But he's honestly not at his best when he's doing that. When they're doing more over the middle, more short, and he gets into a quick rhythm, that tends to open up that those deep balls for him when he gets to be more aggressive. And you could see that throughout yesterday's game. If you just – the first half, no rhythm, 
the passes deep really weren't there. Um, he was kind of he was moving around a little bit, but just really couldn't get anything going. And then in the second half again, they started to attack the middle of the field. They started to change things up, and that's when it just all clicked and the lights turned on. And once Deshaun gets in a groove, it's like watch out. Yeah, Deshaun. Um, once he got going, it was just incredible again yesterday. Uh, definitely gave us some scares as he normally does. He definitely, like, I know he didn't take a lot of hits yesterday, but the hits that he did take were, uh, they were hits that you don't want to see your quarterback take. Uh, he took some pretty nasty ones. And, but at the end of the day, he popped up as he normally does, did, did Deshaun things. Um, the best part of yesterday was just the fact that the tight ends were so heavily involved in the game. You could tell that they were a focal point for our offense. And not sure what like made Bill O'Brien make that adjustment to get the tight ends involved, but it's nice to see because when the tight ends are going, the wide receivers are always going to be going. We have too many of them. So it just opens everything up. And then especially when the run game couldn't get going the way. And, and, and honestly, John, we have to we have to give credit to Bill O'Brien for not shoving the run down our throat yesterday. He, he could see that it wasn't going to work and basically took it out of the – abandoned the run and went straight to the pass and let that be our offense yesterday. And the, and the fact that he did that when in years past he would just continue to force the run – uh, was really one of the bigger takeaways was that this everything that Bill O'Brien is doing right now is exactly what you and I have been screaming for him to do for the last four years, five years. All right, and this this game actually showed a lot of a lot of growth on Deshaun. Um, the Chargers rolled out a bunch of zone coverage. Um, Deshaun had. It, According to next-gen stats, he had 3.2 seconds on average to throw. And with that, he only had 2.9% of his throws were what's called aggressive throws, is where he throws them into tight coverage. So he was actually sitting back and picking a, picking apart a zone and not trying to force the issue, which for him, that's I mean, that's fantastic. Like, that's part of where his aggressiveness will kind of get him into trouble. Um He's been confused by zone blitzes. He's been confused by the O's in the past. Um, and this game he goes out and he, I mean, he lit up a very good Chargers secondary. And it's kind of one of those things that we've talked about before on this podcast. Good quarterbacks will succeed against zone. You have to play man and you have to blitz. And Deshaun has kind of made that transition from where he does a lot better now against zone. If you're going to give him zone, he's going to take it. Now we got to see how he's going to react against the team that's going to play tighter man coverage and they're going to blitz more often, where it's more about the better athletes. So the part that was most surprising yesterday, where I was going was, we I talked about it last week, in like that we shouldn't think that the Jags game is what we should come to expect from this offense. We played a really good defense that played a lot of man, um, that gave us a little bit of trouble and kind of confused Deshaun a little bit. In the Saints game, they played a lot of numbers. And the Jaguars have kind of had, they've kind of had Deshaun's number. I mean, in his I career, mean, he has a 56% completion rating against the Jags. Yeah, between there's the type of coverages they play with Jalen Ramsey and the type of pressure they've been able to generate, 
there's a reason why every single game plan that we've had against the Jags has been to run the ball heavily. Right. Um, Bill O'Brien sees something with their run defense that can be attacked, but their passing def- defense has given Deshaun Fitz. Yeah. So, and and that's kind of where I was going with, and that's I think how I ended the podcast last week was talking about take a combination of what you saw from the Saints game and the good things you saw from the Jags game, put those together, and that's what we should expect from this offense. Then this week they mixed in a ton of underneath routes, out routes, just a lot of quick throws to get the passing game going, which were things that we didn't see in the previous two games. So now add those three together, and what you see is a complete offense. If the run is shut down and not available, they can go to the pass. If they need to run the ball, they can run the ball. Now, I do think about a lot of part, a lot of the issues from the run game this week was just the fact that Titus wasn't playing left guard. With him and Tunsil on the left side, um, it, it's almost you're just you're going to have holes. They're just too big and too good to be able to stop them from creating holes and giving the running back space to run. Um, this week it was completely different. We had you know a new left guard, Titus at right tackle. Um, so I think I still think that they're going to get the run game figured out. But when you add all three games together, that is the expectation for what we should expect from this offense moving forward. Is that fair? Yeah, and that's yeah, and that's kind of also the point about the three games. It's been three different offenses completely. Um, well, not completely, but three games, three different results, and three different ways that the offense has played, and that's kind of what they've been searching for, is what does the opposite defense do, and can we can we kind of attack that weakness instead of trying to find something we do really well and just try and capitalize on it. Because we've done, we've done that against um, weaker teams. You can have Deshaun go out there and have the game of his life, and we can and we or not necessarily even the game of his life, but have Deshaun go out there and kind of win them on, on their own. And we have seen against some of the top-tier teams Deshaun go out there and literally have the game of his life. Um, he's done it a couple times now, and we still fall up short. When we're able to attack with the other defense – cannot defend against, though, it's not all the pressure won't necessarily be on Deshaun. And I think that's the hope, and I think you're starting to see a little bit of it. And, yeah, and as for the run game, moving Titus Howard back over to right tackle, or not back over, moving Titus Howard over to right tackle is going to take something a little bit away from the run game. Um, Tunstall and Howard on the left side with Carlos Hyde always running better to the left, that was just unfair. If if Roderick Johnson was able to be a starting right tackle and that was able to work, Carlos Hyde probably would have a monster year. Now, hopefully, I, I still like the way he runs, but it's just not that that perfect storm situation anymore with moving Howard to the outside. But that's okay because, I mean, everything else looked a lot better, including our overall run blocking. So it's going to be okay. And most importantly, even better than Carlos had, having a, a great year, we'll be keeping Deshaun healthy. Yeah, at the end of the day, that's what we need for this team to be successful. So with the changes on the offensive line of moving Max Sharping to the left guard, Titus to right, where I think some people don't realize is that Titus actually played a lot of right tackle in college. Um, 
so he is actually more comfortable on the right side. Him being on the left was new to him, um, or newer to him compared to where he played most of his snaps at uh, in college. Max playing left guard, that's a new position to him. Um, it's going to take time, but the fact that we have two guys that we drafted that look really good and are able to make this offensive line better than what it was is just fantastic. And when you look at the starting offensive line now with Tunsil, Sharping, Martin, Fulton, and Titus, with Roger Johnson being able to be your swing tackle, in one season, we have completely revamped our offensive line. And I remember starting talking in the offseason, I, I said in the one offseason, you cannot fix this offensive line. And it's one game with this line, but it's two games with much improved offensive line play. And, John, I think that you can say that if this is what we're – and this is what Bill O'Brien said we're expecting is that um, this will be the starting offensive line moving forward. I think you can say that we have completely rebuilt the offensive line in one offseason. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves quite yet because we still have to face the Panthers next week, and Brian Burns has looked like an absolute monster. Yeah, but so was Josh Allen and Calais Campbell and everybody on the Jags, and so is Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. I don't think you can say that the Panthers' defensive line is that much better than the Chargers' defensive line. Yeah, I just I don't want to get too it's far different. ahead of myself quite yet. It's different, for sure. I mean, they have Gerald, Gerald McCoy. <laughs> they, they have Gerald McCoy, Kawan Short, and uh, Brian Burns. But um, Brian Burns is a rookie. I mean, and not that he's not good. I'm not discrediting him. I'm just saying that they're not the they're not the part of the of the team I'm scared of going into next week. And we'll get into the Panthers next week. But I think what we need to do is. And I think this might actually be the first time we've ever done this, John. Hats off to Bill O'Brien. For this offensive line, for this offense, for this team, performing at it the way they did, the final drive, everything about it. Hats off to Bill O'Brien. Who are you? <laughs> is, is that James up there in New York? Like, what's in the water up there? Are you Are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I mean, I can't deny it anymore, right? Like, I know it's you know one game, but all the actions that have been taken to get to this point, unfortunately, not I guess not unfortunately, but they have been done and handled by Bill O'Brien, and we're in the position we're in because of Bill O'Brien. Now, we're also partially in the position that we needed to do these things because of Bill O'Brien, <laughs> but there were other people's hands that were in there to get their hands dirty. Bill O'Brien wasn't the sole purpose for those things, but Bill O'Brien is the sole purpose for where we're at now and what is going on with the offensive line and the offense as as a whole. So, yeah, we have to give credit to him. I, I'm not, I know a lot of people aren't going to want to do that, but... We just beat a really good team on the road. 
No, we definitely did, and I, I'm still – I hate to call this like the Bill O'Brien signature win, but it's something – it's a great stepping stone. Like, you can't really count it as a road game. Like, I'm not even kidding. There was nobody in that stadium. That was depressing to kind of we, look at their – We were louder than they were. Yeah, so you really – it's kind of like a half road game. Like, you can't discount it completely, but at the same time – it's like you don't want to give too much too much credence to it. You don't want to put it on this type of pedestal, but I think it's kind of perfect. It's one of those games that that sets you up. Now, by the end of the season, if we're still saying this is our signature win, then we had a horrible season. Um, however, we can say it is, this is kind of like the point where, you know, the team started to gel and started to look like a legitimate not just win the AFC South, which has apparently returned back to being a dumpster fire, but a legitimate team. And we've got a very long season and a, a lot to watch and a lot to see, but, yeah, it looks like if what we said at the beginning of the year even, this team for at least this year is as good as any Texans team as we've seen in a long time. Now we'll see whether or not coaching will get in the way of it. We'll see how injuries get it, kind of get handled. But overall, yeah, I mean, look at the moves. Like, Kenny Stills is going to be our number two receiver. I cannot believe I'm saying that kind of out loud. But he's been an absolute fine. And this is no disrespect to Will Fuller. It's just Stills is everywhere, slot, outside, making plays. He's only been with the team for three weeks, and he's – I mean, he the joke going on Twitter was like, it was so nice that we got a ta- an offensive lineman in that Kenny Stills trade. And, yeah. you know, at this point, like, just his play is beginning to make that trade better and better. Kenny Stills with Deshaun Watson is kind of like the ideal match. Like, he's like Will Fuller. They just match Deshaun's play style. Um, or you want to attack the field – down the field, and to have both of them, along with along with Hopkins, like we're just light years ahead of where we were last year with our receivers. And Kiki hasn't even done anything. They're giving this gives them time to get healthy. Or if we didn't have skills, Kiki would be out there, and there would be a lot of pressure on him to do more. And who knows if he can? Because that ankle injury actually looked pretty nasty. And you know somebody's going to get hurt. It's just the nature of the NFL, and we're actually going to be okay when somebody gets hurt. Now, even the same thing with the offensive line. They're able to juggle things around, and we still got depth behind them. And when I mean depth, I'm talking about Roderick, um, nobody else. But still, that's that extra player that can step in, and we won't really miss too much of a beat because Roderick Johnson was fine against a very good Jaguar scene. And, again, it's kind of crazy to think, but this team actually has a little bit more depth than they have in the past. And it really will be just going out and executing. And hopefully they put enough players together that it won't live or die based on Deshaun. Um, but when Deshaun's on, we can beat anybody. We absolutely can. And we're not even, we haven't even talked about the defense yet. Yeah, I think it's really going to be very telling. Um what this team is in the next three weeks, right? Yeah, three weeks. Well, we have Panthers, Falcons, 
Chiefs in our next three games. And we should realistically go in two and one overall. We really should, just based on how the teams have gone so far. Even if the Panthers were at full strength, like we should be able to beat them. Even though Christian McCaffrey is an absolute beast. The Falcons look like I'm more worried about Kyle Allen. Yeah, Kyle Jordan Palmer wasn't wasn't kidding. Who knew the kid from uh, he told us he did tell us. He told us two years ago. He did. And Kyle Allen looks like something else. And Yeah. Who would have known the little kid from the Cam commercial would have grown up and turned into Kyle Allen? Like that's perfect. <laughs> um That's really not him. No, though, it's right? really not, but it might be. Okay. There's enough doubt there. <laughs> Pretty funny though. Pretty funny to see. There's enough doubt there. Um, no, Kyle, and Kyle Allen's been fantastic, but we should still beat the Panthers. And then yeah. the Falcons are a hot mess. Uh, they just lost Keanu Neal to to his Achilles, which, I mean, poor guy. He's a uber-talented safety. And oh, yeah. to lose him to injury again. And then the Chiefs will be the test. The Chiefs just go out and beat everybody. We'll really know where we're at in the FC if we can just hang with the Chiefs. We not even necessarily win, just hang with them. But yeah. So before we start on um, the defense, last year you made me apologize to Lamar Miller. Do you feel as though you should do the same for JJ? No, I don't. I don't. Sorry. You know what that was? That performance on Sunday, great and all. I love it. Um, you know, he showed up when he needed to. You know, when you play a bad offensive line, you should have those kind of games when you're J.J. Watt. But I don't – I want to see it against a good offensive line. I want to see it on a regular basis. I want to see it continue. If he has another game like that, then great. I'll be back on and I'll send him my apologies. But it needs to be consistent. And this that offensive line there in, in San Diego is really bad. So you're saying that we have to have another J.J. game like this before you'll do the apology? I don't even need a game like this. What I need is for him to show up. What I need to see is his aggressiveness. I need to see him get off the snap, off the snap and make the right call, stop whiffing, you know, make the tackles. Get in the backfield, rush the, you know, hurry the quarterback, lay a couple quarterback hits. I don't even need you to get sacks. I just want to see you active in the backfield. That's all I'm looking for. I can care less if J.J. Watt has 22 and a half sacks this year or if he has 10 sacks this year. All I want to do is see that he is being disruptive. And in the first two weeks, you couldn't say that he was being disruptive. Yesterday, you could. So I just want to see it be more consistent. That's all I'm asking. The entire defensive line itself is playing at a much higher level. I even apologized to Jason Braddock and said that he was right. I still, and this will be the last time this is brought up, Clowney will be brought up at least, but I am still not okay, or do I forgive them for trading Jadavian Clowney for what we got back when I think the faults should still be on Romeo Cornell for not being able to get all three pass rushers going at the same time. People act like People act like it was impossible to do, and that's not the case. It's not impossible. It was just we wanted to move JD around to give everybody else a better matchup. And if you would have just lined him up of opposite of JJ and let Whitney rush off the edge, you could have. You you are in a much better defensive line right now. If that is all we did, 
than what we have currently. And that's that's my biggest issue with the whole JD thing. It's not that, uh, you know, I don't think that we can generate sacks. It's just the fact that we could be better on defense if we kept JD. And we aren't. And that's the biggest problem. Well, one of the things that you can kind of you can kind of look at is Charles Amenehue and how they're using him. First off, I kind of Charles Amenehue a an apology because he's been much better than I expected him to be. Um, he's been either our top graded or second highest graded player every week that he or for the past two weeks, so both the weeks that he's played um, up there with DJ Reader. And he's been a perfect compliment to DJ Reader. Now, the reason that I kind of bring that up is Charles Minion has been much, much better than I expected. But physically, he's a poor man's clowny. So, and I don't, I don't mean that as disrespect. He's just not, he's neither as fast or as big as clowny. However, he's very, very similar in skill set. And look what they've been able to use with him and do with him. Through the rushing through the interior, I think that had they played Clowney in a similar manner, yes, it would have kind of taken away from Clowney's ability to, to be a run stopper, but it would have genera- generated that interior run pressure. And you know what? You didn't mm-hmm. need Clowney to be the the elite run stopper when you had when you had Whitney, Whitney Merciless and JJ Watt on the other sides. It was just one of those. I I kind of ag- really agree with you, Rack. I don't understand why he wasn't creative and how he put them out there and made all three of them work to the best of their ability. Where instead, it's like last year, they let J.J. do his thing and they moved Clowney all around trying to get Clowney essentially the ability to to juice the sack numbers. Um, That's why they moved him around. That's why they put him in the positions that they did. And then they asked... Whitney to go play off the ball, which I get the idea behind it, trying trying to just wreak havoc on the offensive line. And you could watch Javian uh, Clowney just completely collapse an offensive line. And we don't really have anybody currently on the team that could do that. But at the same time, when you look at what they're doing this year, it's like, why didn't they do that last year? And if you could get these sort of results with a Menahue, imagine what you could have done with Clowney. I just I don't don't get it. Well, and that's the biggest problem I have is that I don't think any smart football person and and there's some out there <clears throat> who can make an argument that this team is better without Jadavian Clowney on it. Don't point to Whitney Merciless and tell me and then compare his stats. To, to JD over in Seattle and expect me to balk and say, oh my God, we are so much better. We should have just had Whitney rush the edge last year. Well, no shit. We should have done that while we also had Jadavian Clowney. Like, it's, it's, they're two different arguments. This team is better with Jadavian Clowney on the team and using him, Merck, and Watt together correctly. That has never happened. We never got to see the three pass rushers get going at the same time. That's on rack. It is what it is. We have to move past it. JD's gone. Whitney's here. And he's going to have to get signed to an extension of some sort 
or else we really don't have a pass rush. But that's the end of it. That's the end. That's JD. We're done. I won't bring it up again. But don't ever try to tell me that this team can't couldn't be better with JD than who is currently on the defensive line because that is a ignorant, ignorant fucking sorry God we're not supposed to be cussing, um, ignorant argument and I don't want to hear it. All right, let's get to the rest of the defense. Uh, Zach Cunningham, I, who I picked in the off season and during the first two weeks, I said was going to be the breakout star for us, and Zach Cunningham is a freaking monster, and is all over the field. I'm in freaking love <laughs> with Zach Cunningham. We've been saying since the day that he was drafted, he was going to be a find. And it's it's nice to be it's nice to be correct. It really is. Cunningham's a monster. Thank God he's on the team. Thank God that we have him and Benardrick McKinney. I mean, yeah, what can you say? We are very, very happy to have both. No, he had a great game. Yeah, he had a great game. The linebackers had a great game in general. BMAC, who continues to have a great, just a good season in general, he's kind of being overshadowed somehow. There's not a lot of talk about BMAC and what he's doing on the field, but he's doing a ton. Um, the defensive line did really well. DJ Reader is just a – I think he's a top three defensive tackle in this league. He's so freaking good. Yeah, I mean, them not so good. them not getting that and extension done before the start of the season. I hope they're still working on it. That's gonna hurt. It's gonna it's it's gonna hurt. Them. Yeah, it's gonna hurt them because his value is continuing to go up, and there's just more and more film on on how good he actually is. I was talking to Preston yesterday while I was um, in my Uber on the way to the hotel, and he brought up a really good point, and I think it's something that we tend to forget when we think about how good DJ Reader is is just the fact that that first year he had with Vince Woolfork, I don't think, and Preston brought this up, and I just never really thought about it, but that first year with Vince really helped DJ become a much better player. I mean, when you have a Hall of Fame defensive tackle like Vince Woolfork taking you under his arm and teaching you his ways, it just it, there's really nothing more valuable you can ask for that, and it shows in DJ Reader. He's he's a stud. He's yeah, it's very know. very similar to what Andre Johnson did with with Hopkins. It made yeah. a huge difference in the career, and it's part of the reason why it's so hard for um, for expansion teams to get going, and why teams that are existing that are why there's teams that are perennial. When you have quality guys like that that are able to pass down knowledge, that can makes a huge huge difference. Um, having those, there's a reason why the Steelers always have good line, uh, receivers, and there's a reason why um, the Panthers always have good linebackers. It's an organizational knowledge that you get when you have quality players, and then they teach it to the next generation. And it's nice to see that the Texans are starting to get that, and we're starting to see the results of that. And yeah, no, I agree. Um, one part I, I left out, and I on this episode of me admitting my faults and wrongs is that um, through three weeks, Nick Martin has been a much better center than he has been since he's been here. Yesterday. Was, yeah, we stopped zone blocking. Yes. <laughs> yesterday was by far his best game as the Texan. Um, so 
either, yeah, it's his own blocking, but it's also, you know, I don't know if part of it is the motivation of him getting paid. Either way, um, I'm glad he's turning it around, and let's just hope it's consistent and he stays that way. Um, all right. I mean, this is going to be kind of a little bit off the tra- off the beaten path a little bit, but when they talk about organizational alignment, this is kind of where they're talking about, getting players that matching skill sets. So last year, in order to get Lamar Miller going, they would zone block more, which would weaken the offensive line because the offensive line really wasn't isn't built to consistently zone block. It's one thing to do it a couple of times a game and to kind of match your match your personnel. Where this year, a lot less zone blocking because both Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson don't need are 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 fine running without zone blocking. I don't know if either of them are better zone blocking runners versus power scheme runners, but right now we've been running more power. But this also elevates our offensive line because our offensive line is built more for our power run game. Um, so it's just interesting to see, and I can kind of, when everybody takes jabs at Bill O'Brien for talking about organizational alignment, this is what he's kind of talking about, getting not just necessarily the best athletes, but athletes with skills that that mesh. And fit what he wants to do. Um, yeah, and, and from a physical yeah. standpoint, this this offensive line is, um, I mean, they're just all so big, all of them. Yeah, and I mean, and here's the thing about Bill O'Brien that if you all haven't picked up on, he listens to what his players want to do almost to a fault. This allows him, I think this is what's allowed him to kind of do some of those moves at the beginning of the year where they cut players right away and not have a lot of backlash and still have what's called a great locker room. And it's surprising how many how many players leave Houston and actually don't talk trash about Bill O'Brien. You always hear about the ones that do, but the ones that don't, it's, it's surprising. Um which to me kind of leads, and especially when you look at some of the things that they do in the game, that Bill O'Brien actually does take their their influence into the game. He he takes their opinions, especially the starters, on what they like to do and what type of plays they like to run. I think that – I know they definitely do it on offense. The proof is there. Anybody that watches football could probably pick up on that, but I wonder if they do it on defense as well. But yeah, that was my little tangent. Yeah, uh, let's get to the rest of this defense because uh, the rest of it wasn't very good. Um, no, Jonathan Joseph, oh, bless him. God dang, I love him. Yeah, say it, man. John. Just say it, John. It may it may be time, dude. It might be time. It may. This is like going to use bad analogy here, but this is like taking old Yeller behind the behind the behind the barn. It's not a bad analogy. It's going to hurt. It's a really good one. It's going to hurt. We're all going to cry. But you just need to move on over to the bench and be our defensive backs coach like we all know you're going to do it this offseason. As dude. Yeah, it might be yeah. time for him to pull Avante Davis. I was hoping he would do that last during the game yesterday. Retire at halftime or something. Um, at this point where he's at, it's more than a step that he's lost. Um, I know there were moments where he actually played man and pressed it up and was able to stay with, I, I believe it was uh, Tyrell Williams. Um, those aren't going to happen very often. Just It was one play 
but everything else about his game yesterday, he was being picked on by Philip Rivers because it's known now that he cannot keep up anymore. Um, well, part of why sometimes our zone looks so bad and our soft coverage looks so bad with J.J. is you keep the ball in front of you, and when the ball's thrown, you close. And he doesn't have that closing speed anymore. Right. And you will play zone to cover – you can play zone to cover up slower corners – um, it's, but they still have to have at least enough quickness and at least enough twitch to make up that reaction time for when the ball's in the air. And it's one thing to be half a second late, keep them in front of you, that's the bend, don't break. But when he's also missing tackles, that's when it becomes concerning. So he's missing tackles because he's slow to get there and he's not in position to actually make the tackle. And that's why, and I'm a huge J. Joe fan. I, I mean, he's the best acquisition we've ever had in free agency. And it's just at this point, it's it's not good. It's not good, yeah. dog. I think um, at this point, if Bill O'Brien continues the trend of what he's done so far during the season of making the difficult decision and moving on, I'm hoping that he's able to do that with J. Joe. I know we don't have a ton of depth. I know we don't have a ton of uh, great corners, but right now Xavier Crawford would be better than Jonathan Joseph at corner. JJ can still come in in dime sets, but he can't be out there as our number one, our number two, or even honestly our number three. It just can't. It, it, it's, it's he's a liability now. So the team's either going to have to find another corner somehow, some way, or we're going to have to roll with Crawford or Gaines. And that's just how it's going to have to be for the rest of the season. It may not – I mean, Lonnie Johnson's looked fine. Roby looks like a player. It's not going to surprise me that if right now they're just kind of band-aiding it. And Gaines, he – he showed a little bit, and he got released due to injury. So according to what was the pro football focus, he was the most improved corner in the league last year. He went from being like a something ranked in the 40s to something ranked in the 70s, which, again, is all you really need. Um, so it won't surprise me at some point this season that Gaines gets moved into the slot and Roby gets moved back to the outside, and it's J.J. that sits. Now, hopefully – I don't know how they're going to do it because they, they have been doing better about making the difficult decisions, but if there's one veteran on the team, like, J.J. is up there with Andre Johnson to me. Um, just well, on the I don't know, not that far. Not that far. He's pretty close. I mean, just up there with respect. Arian, I'll put him Arian Foster level. That's much better. That's much better. Um, love. I mean, absolutely love him, but there's a time when there's a time, and, you know... With with him, he's just I'm ho- I'm hope I'm wrong. I hope this is like the the Tom Brady is done conversations that people were having a couple of years ago, four games in. But this is three weeks in a row where if you need the easy game, you pretty much picked on on Joseph. Yeah, no, I think um, with J. Joe. 
I think if he, you were to limit his snaps and he came in and spells and wasn't always on the field, I think he'll be okay for the rest of the year. But he can't be taking the majority of snaps at corner. He, he just can't. Um, so I, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, we don't have a ton to trade. Like Jalen Ramsey's a pipe dream. We've talked about that. Um, plus he has the flu. Do you really want a player that has the flu right now? I don't know if that's <laughs> a good idea. Um, but no, I, I he has the flu and air quotes. Yes, he's sick. He's just not feeling well. Um, so, but that's going to be the biggest problem moving forward with this defense is the fact that Jonathan Joseph, unfortunately, just isn't at that point in his career where he can do the things that we need him to do at corner. Um, so, uh, we'll have to see what this looks like moving forward. Luckily for us, next week we don't play a team with a bunch of great wide receivers. Like, I don't, I don't think people realize how good the wide receivers are for the Chargers. I don't think people realize how good Keenan Allen actually is because and Travis Benjamin can just straight up fly. And Tyler Keenan Williams Allen can straight up fly. And Mike Williams is a second-year wide receiver who went to Clemson and is extremely good as well. Like, they have wide receivers that are really, really good. I wouldn't expect this week for that to be the same issue. The best wide receiver on the Panthers is what? Curtis Samuel? Uh, DJ Moore. Okay. DJ uh, actually, Moore. I, think, I think Curtis Samuel's better, but DJ Moore is who they treat as their number one. Okay, so there you go. So DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are your two. If you stop Chris probably McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> I was going to say, if you stop Christian McCaffrey, which you're not going to be able to do, but if you can limit him, you have a good chance at winning that game. And um, so this week, really not that big of a deal. Then that following week, you go against the Falcons who have – Julio, they have Calvin Ridley, they have Mohamed Sanu, they also have another guy, I can't think of his name, Speedster. Anyways, it, it doesn't matter. That following week, you're basically back against the Chargers again. And This is one of the, uh, one of the Rileys. Ridley, Calvin Ridley. Ridley, there we go. Yeah, I said that already. Um, but yeah, so it... It's got to be figured out sooner rather than later. I just don't know what that answer is, and hopefully Bill O'Brien has a clue. Um, outside of that, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Justin Reed is hurt. He's hurt. He needs to not play this week. He he needs to sit out a game. He needs to get healthy. If we want Justin Reed to be here for the rest of the season, you have to you have to just let him not play this week. There, he's too banged up. He's still hurting. His shoulder still doesn't look right. He doesn't look right on the field. I think it. I think it might be best to just roll with AJ Moore and and uh, Gippy. No, and I'm willing to bet the uh, the guy the Cowboys were asking for is AJ Moore. Uh, when the the whole rumor about the taco trade. So the Texans refused to part with the safety, and it had to be A.J. Moore. No way that Cowboys – well, the Cowboys are crazy enough to ask for, for Justin Reed, but – so they obviously have enough faith in A.J. Moore to put him out there, and Reed is – Reed is invaluable to our secondary. If we're going to stand any chance against the Chiefs, we need him out there. And at this point, I can't imagine that they're letting him play if it's possible for him to do any more damage than he already has. Right, but 
it's at least a couple times for the past two games where he's just down in the field and he's in so much pain. So just let him rest up. Even if it's not going to necessarily get better or get worse, just let him rest up. Because there's some yeah. games that we, we're going to need him. Yeah, no, we're going to need him. Um, outside of that, it was a great team win against a very good Chargers team on the road, week three. Um, definitely battled some adversity early on in the game. Um, it was a very good win. I don't want to say it's the signature win yet because if this win doesn't translate, then it really doesn't matter. If this win translates into a nice three-game win streak heading into the Chiefs or or we do really well next week and somehow lose to the Falcons but it's on some crazy shit, then that's different. But this week we have to build on what we did last week for me to feel comfortable saying it's a signature win. Um, but it's looking like it should be the signature win. Uh, all right. So this week we play the Panthers. Uh, they have a a good quarterback in Kyle Allen, who Jordan Palmer two years ago told us was the best quarterback between him, Josh Allen, and Sam Darnold. He said that Kyle Allen was the best out of the three, but you're not going to hear about him because he's a, had the transfers, went undrafted, all those good things. And if you look at his last game last season before the end of the year, and you look at this last game on Sunday, Kyle Allen looks like the real deal. It's kind of funny where we're at in the NFL with Gardner Minshew, Kyle Allen. It's it's funny how this is happening more and more every season, it seems. Um, but the Panthers have a quarterback right now, even though Cam is hurt. And honestly, I'd rather be playing Cam Newton because you know what you're getting with Cam. With Kyle Allen, you don't truly have a you don't have a lot of film. You can't really you can't judge on what to expect. And when that typically happens to this Texans team, it's usually not good for us as fans. No, he went out there and he and he looked really good. He has looked really good. He was the guy that we both, after the interview with Jordan Palmer, we both had hoped the Texans would have signed him as an undrafted free agent. I mean, you got to remember, this kid was a five-star prospect. Like, he was a very, very well-regarded. Um, he just made some mistakes in which colleges he wanted to go to. And if he didn't have that whole mess, if he had gone somewhere and just – if it hadn't been a mess with, I believe it was A&M and Summerlin, then he's somebody that would have been drafted that more players would know – or more people would know about him. Because he's a, he's a player. He can throw the ball. So it'll be very, very interesting to watch. The Panthers do have some talent. Um DJ Moore and Curtis Daniel, both of them are they're Golden Tate style receivers, really good yak guys. Uh, Samuel's a little bit quicker, and he's more of a deep threat. And right now, everything that we've just said about JJ, he actually scares me. And nobody's nobody's stopping Christian McCaffrey. I'm sorry. So <laughs> he's going to get like 200 yards. We're just going to have to kind of deal with it and hope we can negate whatever he does end up doing. If he gets 14 points by himself, that's fine. We've just got to make sure we score 21. Yeah, no, I think that's the game plan. Try to limit what you can on McCaffrey. Make Kyle Allen beat you by throwing the ball to his receivers and Greg Olson. But if you can minimize Christian McCaffrey's impact on the game, you have a good chance at winning. Um, 
John, the rest of the, you know, the next three games are big games for the Texans. Uh, we, we've actually gotten some national media love after our win yesterday. That always scares me more. I can't lie. And if that, if that's going to continue, then this team has to show that they can win and they can beat good teams. And we're going to play, we play three really good teams. The Panthers look like a much better team with Kyle Allen under, under, uh, center than than Cam, and that's just because Cam's been really hurt, and I don't know if Cam's ever going to be Cam again. Um, they ran him into the ground. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's it's this is the, this next three weeks you'll find out exactly who this Texans team is. Are you a contender, or are you a a uh, what's the other one? Contender or a why can't I think of the word? Pretender. Pretender that's it. Yeah, pretender. Um, we'll find out in the next three weeks. And if this team comes out and shuts down Carolina and goes into Atlanta and beats Atlanta, who is is very beatable, and then goes to Kansas City, which if if we win these next two games and Kansas City continues on the trend they're on, there's a good chance that that Sunday game is flexed to Sunday night. And... If that happens, we're on the big stage. And the Texans are going to have an opportunity to be able to make a name for themselves. So, John, what else you got? That's everything. All right. All right, good win by the Texans yesterday. Glad I was able to watch it. God, it was so scary, John. I was, like, boarding the plane with the last five minutes up seven, and, like, I had no service because, like, when you're boarding the plane – Sometimes you have service, sometimes you don't. And then the Wi-Fi on there, they were playing the Saints game instead of the Texans game. So I, like, didn't get it until the last minute, and I was like, oh, God, I was so worried the whole time. And luckily they pulled it off. So nope, I was uh, the great win. only individual in a bar in Charleston, South Carolina, that actually seemed to care. But that's okay. <laughs> that, that is definitely okay. like that probably for a lot of our listeners. You know? <laughs> One of my one of my brother's um, bridesmaids. She's like, "Well, we're trying to include you," and I'm like, "No, no, y'all are fine. Let me watch the game. Just please let me watch the game." <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was in the uh, I was in the like waiting area. They were loading the plane, and when Whitney Merciless forced that sack, I had my AirPods in, and I screamed, "Yeah!" and like. Everybody looked at me, and I was like, so sorry. And this Patriots fan across from me was watching a game on his computer. He goes, it's all right, dude. It's all right. He gave me that look. <laughs> I totally understand. I was like, okay, I feel better. He's right, he's right there with you. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, we will catch you guys next week. Make sure you do all the things in the outro. Leave us reviews on iTunes, please, and tell your friends about Texans Unfiltered. With that being said, I'm Young Ari Gold. That's the Garnet Texan. I'm signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. And everywhere podcasts can be found. 
And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.